Welcome to the Sports Gloss with Justin and Jamal. Friday, July 28th. Welcome to the Sports Gloss. I'm Jamal Cox and I'm your host today. Rolling solo one more time. JK still back home in Vic and I'll be there soon to join you. Welcome back to the Sports Gloss. Thanks for listening as always. I'm at that bittersweet point in my journey, my my vacation. And that's the uh, part where you're, you're wrapping up to leave and you start thinking about what's next. But for me today, we are packing up and heading up to Washington, D.C., hopping on the Amtrak. Going to have some relaxing times there and then um, posting up in D.C. for a few days tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we're going to head out to the the City Open, the Mubadala City Open, newly named, which is an ATP and WTA level 500 tennis tournament. So really excited to see the qualifiers there, see some talent up close, hopefully see some good matches and see some folks in their element practicing. Um, it's always so cool just to see the minutia of people's processes up close uh, and personal. It's nothing like it. And TV never does justice to how hard they're hitting the ball and how quickly they're they're moving around the court and just processing information and making decisions. So much of tennis is decision-making. So looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be a billion degrees doesn't matter Celsius, Fahrenheit, whatever. It's going to be like 100 degrees uh, today and tomorrow. So that is something that I'm not super excited for, but hopefully we can find some respite and get into some areas um, on site that have air conditioning and like cooling stations. But yeah, 40 degrees, 100 degrees uh, Celsius, Fahrenheit is going to be rough. But I'm hoping to share some photos on IG of what I capture while I'm there. So stay tuned for that. And as well, while we're up in D.C., hoping to visit with some old friends, maybe walk around the Capitol. We're going to be in Capitol Hill and as well, maybe taking some museums because, as I said, it's going to be hellaciously hot and (laughs) going to need to find some A.C. units, especially with the kids. They aren't um, built for this life right yet. So, so yeah, have some some good times up in D.C., maybe eat some nice food and then back to Victoria. So this actually is a good segue for me to to get into the Q&A with Jay this week. So the Q&A with Jay brought to you by Slides and Socks. Slides and Socks, an awful combination plague in our nation. I am appalled at how often I see people just wearing socks and bath shower shoes. It's just brutal. Is tough, man. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing out there. JK always says you got to be able to run at any time. There may be a situation that calls for your ability to stop what you're doing and sprint. And if you're wearing slides and socks, you're the last one. The lion catches you. Everybody else gets away. And you look fucking goofy. So slides and socks. Thanks for sponsoring us this week. The question is, what is the peak and what is what are the peaks and the valleys of a vacation? 
So just let you ponder that for a moment as if we were in class and I was a teacher. So for me, the peak of a vacation is not the planning process, not necessarily, um, you know, the midway process. It's kind of like once you've arrived at your destination and you still got that juice, you're still excited about the possibilities, the potential, the things that you're going to do, people you're going to run into, whatever it is that you set out to do on that vacation, whether it be just chill and relax or be adventurous. And I feel like that, okay, we're here, we're settled, we've opened up the suitcase, we've rested a little bit, we're maybe at the 10 to 25% point of this vacation if like you're measuring the length of time. That's the sweet spot for me. You feel like the sky's the limit. You have ample time in front of you to do a lot of things, see what you want to see, taste what you want to taste. That's the sweet spot. That's the peak for me. The valley, and it's not necessarily the end of the trip. I feel like it's that three quarters into the trip, you know, 75% mark where you start thinking, damn, this is almost over. You got to start returning think about returning home what you need to to do when you're home you know back to life back to reality just figuring out okay i gotta work gotta get back on these routines and sometimes that heaviness of all that stuff can get to you and i feel like that's the valley like the worst part and then the nadir of the trip you're like having to pack clean verify flight info you're saying goodbyes to people, thinking about missed opportunities and the people you couldn't visit with, thinking about, you know, <laughs> when are we coming back? If you're, if it's something that you do regularly, when's the next trip? So that's the tough part. So curious on your thoughts on, on what are the highs and lows of a vacation, but that's it for me. I'll pivot to some of my weekly wins going from those highs and lows and reflecting on this trip. So this this week was really nice. I got to go to King's Dominion, which is this amusement park here in Doswell, Virginia, kind of central Virginia. I grew up going there, so it has a lot of uh, nostalgia, lots of time riding rides with my dad, going even alone in my um, teen years when I got my, my driver's license. And just I'm a roller coaster enthusiast, um, and amusement parks are big in my family, big in Central Virginia, because we're fortunate enough to have two at Kings Dominion and then Bush Gardens in the Williamsburg area. So it was like riding a bike, just going back to the amusement park. Some things change, some things don't. Um, some of the rides are new. Some of the classics are still there. I had a ton of fun. It was really nice to see the kids as well, really enjoying themselves. They got to go and get their money's worth. They went a bunch of times. So that was really cool. They've got a splash park. So the kids were into that as well. And yeah, I had some really great roller coaster rides on Twisted Timbers and the Intimidator, which is a a Dale Earnhardt themed um, roller coaster probably the tallest roller coaster and fastest roller coaster I've ever been on. I I must be exceeding 70 miles per hour and the drop is intense. It's an adrenaline rush for sure. You just punches you in the gut in the first drop and then you're just accelerating before you know it's over, but I'm just gleefully smiling the whole time. So 
had some really good times that just kind of lets it's really cathartic for me just to ride roller coasters i know it may sound weird but just to get that little jolt of energy and anticipation and and wondering moments before the drop am i gonna die is this how it ends is this is this gonna is this secure is this gonna come loose am i gonna die doing a loop-de-loop because that seems like a bad way to go but also seems like a fucking badass way to go out so those are all the thoughts that are going through my head um the nervousness and anticipation before that first drop is is something that's unique if you're into roller coasters so as well i just ran into a few friends uh from hadn't seen in years friends um from from high school and college um at the park just just happened to roll into a few people so that was a really sweet treat as well um so yeah that was that was a big win this week and then as well just seeing old friends in general being present in that moment and having some time with people that i miss and love and being able to be present with them and that was it's always beautiful i was fortunate enough to share some meals with a few people are really that are really near and dear to me so that was great um Another part of it is just really having this year-to-year visit with people and seeing how far we've come and being in your 40s and just looking at the fact that, man, people have really ascended and grinded and, and made a cool life and a nice life for themselves. And that's something really beautiful. And as well, I love that I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of people that still have dreams that they're tracing they're doing what they do to they do what they do to make ends meet on the daily and maybe they love their their career their job but also have other endeavors that keep them motivated and keep them going um, i have a lot of uh, friends that are in entrepreneurship kind of spaces and everybody here seems to have a side hustle which i love and that's really inspiring so to be able to just get a glimpse into what people are up to these days something really special and one more shout out before I go to break, and that's just for a friend, I'm not going to name, but a close friend that we gone through a lot over the years, and I know he's been going through a lot of uh, personal battles with uh, like addiction and, and trauma from um, just previous abuse and things like that, and kind of fought through all those years of those dark moments, and is now going to be a dad and a husband and has been sober for a number of years and his partner is really is sober as well and doing really well and just elated to see that evolution in his life and for him to reach this point because I know I saw him in some dark periods and some tough times that looked like there was in a hole that weren't going to be able to climb out of so it was really cool and really inspiring and you know, I just wanted to say I love you to that person. You know who you are. And yeah, hopefully our paths will cross again sometime soon. Let's take a break.
Welcome back to the Sports Class with Justin Jamal. I want to talk some NFL. Been watching a lot of ESPN and Fox Sports News and listening to the radio and, and a lot of the the scuttlebutt, let's say, is just about running backs and their contracts or like lack of contracts, if if you will. A lot of guys who are preeminent at that position are taking a hit um, and not getting paid what I believe and a lot of people believe they should be getting paid. So for context, you know, running backs used to be kind of what you built your offense around many years ago, a couple decades ago. And I think just due to the evolution of the game, we've moved to more passing. We've moved to more quarterbacks being this. We've moved to more of the quarterback being the star and the face of the franchise. And not so much your Barry Sanders, your Walter Payton, your Emmitt Smith, those type of guys from back in the day, just to name a few. You know, we gravitate towards Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, etc. Um, you just saw that Justin Herbert got paid. Joe Burrow's going to get paid really soon. So these guys are making the big bucks, but there's a finite am- am- amount of that pie to go around because of the salary cap. So unfortunately, the people that are taking the, the hit, so to speak, pun intended, are the running backs. And it's just really interesting to see this evolution of the game. It's kind of akin for me to how we've looked at how technology has taken over in society or just kind of evolved in society. We want things as quickly as possible and often forget to appreciate all of the machinations and all the things that are doing the hard work or the labor, um, all the things going on below the surface to get to the point of success or instant gratification or whatever it is that we're working on or, or doing. We take it for granted how quickly we can gain information and access to anything. So I feel like it's the same thing. Running running backs, they're not stars, like I said, anymore. QBs, wide receivers, other stars, while running backs are blocking, they're getting hit, they're touching the ball more than anyone other than the quarterbacks, really. And I feel like they deserve to get paid better. You look at guys like uh, Justin Jacobs that are getting you know upwards of 350, 400 touches in a year. Derrick Henry, guys like that, and you compare their salaries in the low teens, uh, 11 million, 15 million, 16 million dollars a year to what the quarterbacks are making, what the wide receivers are making, even like some of the tackles in the league, what they're making, DNs, all those people. So running backs' careers are quite short in comparison. A lot of them hit 30, and that's the expiration date. The milk's gone bad. Let's get another one. And often you see as well, guys will emerge from fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. You're not seeing running backs typically taken as high. So just to start off, you're not going to have the same wealth or earning potential in the league because you're at a deficit in the starting point. So I feel like the NFL is ruining fun again. I'm still there. I can't quit you, NFL, but... It's not taking care of the people and the product that really make it a a special sport and a special league. It's a cold reality um, to swallow or or what have you, but it stinks. I don't really have an answer for this. I just hope that there is a pivot. The owners, they're an old boys club, old white man's club, and I feel like they don't appreciate and value the running backs um, like they used to. Something's got to shift. 
but at the same time, those guys got to get paid because their career doesn't last long. So it's rocking a hard place. Going to see what evolves. I'm curious if there's going to be a breakthrough here in the next like couple years, if there's going to be a pivot to running backs being like a playmaker position, seeing more guys catch passes, seeing guys go into the slot and, and being more versatile. You remember like Jimmy Graham back in the day being a tight end, but didn't want that label. Wanted to be labeled a wide receiver, so he'd have more earning potential. So maybe this is a shift that's going to happen in the next couple years here. We're going to see running backs potentially have to shake things up to to really earn more money and, and get the respect they deserve. I want to talk some NBA quickly. Big news this week, a couple of things. Number one for me was... The fact that it was unofficially official, kind of the worst kept secret here, that Seattle and Las Vegas are being tapped as the next expansion teams in the league. So this is really exciting. Seattle should have never lost this team, their team uh, to OKC, something Justin and I want to explore further down the line with the podcast, uh, committed an episode or something to that. But yes, Seattle's going to get their team back, hopefully, or get a team, I should say. I'm curious, just kind of a poll out there, what should the teams be called? Are they going to be the Supersonics? Or are they going to just put that to bed and just rebrand? Um, I'm really, very curious, curious to see what happens with the, the Seattle franchise that comes. And also just excited because someone um, currently resided in Victoria. I'm really excited to pay an extravagantly exorbitant amount of money to go and see an expansion basketball team. So let's go. Vegas, I feel like LeBron's going to be involved in that at some point. And curious to see um, what happens there. Vegas, just eating up all the sports, man. Um, Hockey, football, they're going to take the A's at some point if that all works out. And then uh, basketball is up next. I mean, sky's the limit, it seems like, in Vegas. So this seems like a natural fit. The things that I never would have imagined when I was a kid, <laughs> um, a basket- basketball team in Las Vegas. But it looks like it's inevitable. I also like this for the league um, in the fact that I feel like there's enough talent to go around that adding the two teams is going to be sufficient. I don't think that you need to move a franchise to one of these cities. I think that we've reached this, I don't know, you could say just purely on talent. I'm not saying the quality of the basketball per se, but like peak talent level as far as like the the richness of the pool with just the international development of the game and how many stars are coming from abroad. I mean, I said in a couple episodes past that, you could argue that the four or five best players in the league are not American. So here we are. Um, I think it was, like I said, there's more money to be made. The sport's growing at a rapid rate. It's exciting times. And on that international level, there was also a brief mention in the article or story that I read about the potential for Mexico City to be a franchise location down the line, which is really interesting um, I believe Mexico City has a high altitude. You know, Denver is kind of the outlier currently with that altitude, so that would be an interesting home court advantage. Also, obviously, being in, in Mexico and bringing more eyeballs to the sport there. NFL always flirts with the game there. Like the Raiders, I think, have played there. Maybe some other teams, I want to say, in the AFC West have played down in Mexico City. And, and 
there's an appetite for American sports and for the NBA and um, specifically. So, hey, NBA, they always want more money. Um, they want those international dollars, NFL too. So this is uh, eh, globalization. Here we go. And while we're talking about uh, Las Vegas and I made mention of LeBron, I just wanted to say like, I hope everything's good with their family. Bronny James had cardiac arrest earlier this week. Just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, as much scrutiny as we put on LeBron and people put on Bronny and stuff, we just want them to be healthy, want them to be, you don't want to see anybody injured or potentially um, die out there playing um, a sport they love and fight for. So hopefully Bronny and, and the James family, everybody's in good spirits and just wanted to give a little shout out there. One more thing in the NBA, Jalen Brown got paid. We knew he was going to get paid. He got a bag of money. It was over 300 mil, and I think this is a lose-lose. I think it's bad for Boston. It's good for Jalen, and I hope he does some some good things with the money. He's an activist. He's, he's made mention of that, but for Boston, you are tethered to him. He's a turnover machine. He's a great player um, in some respects, but there's a lot of holes in his game, and the big thing and really I feel like this is a lose-lose is Jason Tatum still needs to get his money he still needs it paid and Tatum is the best player on the team you get rid of the heart of the team with Marcus Smart and Jalen even made mention of that this week how he you know Smart's his dog his guy and that is never going to be the same without him there and you're getting Brown's going to do what he's got to do. He's going to get paid. I get it. But how much money is Tatum going to make? And then how much money you're going to have to go around? And you're going to be paying Porzingis a ton of money too, I suspect. I'm not sure the exact figure, but I think he's well compensated. So I understand you have to lock in Brown in some respect. And that's the cold reality of the, uh, the NBA and how things are structured. But... I don't know, man. I I just don't like this. I feel like I would have tried to do something maybe earlier on, tried to move him or, or something, but I'm curious to see how this all plays out. I could be the one that is eating crow and, yeah, prove me wrong, Jalen, but Tatum's got to get paid. He's a better player. I don't know where you're going to find that third guy, and I don't know if – KP's the third heat, so to speak, and I don't know if they're going to have enough to get over the top and get out of the East and, and win another one. So let's see how that it goes. Let's hit some Women's World Cup. I was had some time to actually catch a few games. I watched Canada in their second game against Ireland. The first half was a mess. It looked like a bad premiership game. It was just, I don't know, long balls to nowhere and Ireland's just playing for counterattacks and, and free kicks and, and dead balls, and it paid off with an Olympico goal of beauty from from uh, their captain to start the game. But um, she scores from the corner kick, and Canada was kind of stunned, and then it was weird. They were just kind of were panicky, make three subs at halftime. I love that from the, the coach. That was like probably one of the only good decisions she made all day for me. But she... Makes a decision. Um, they were fortunate enough to get the own goal before the half. So it was one all, and then finally got the win 2-1. But there were a lot of missed opportunities. They played a more cohesive, strategic 
style of play in the second half with some of those veterans like Sophie Schmidt and uh, Sinclair coming into the fold, but something wasn't right and they're not playing at the level I expected. All that being said, they haven't lost yet and they're on four points, so they should advance, but I don't know how far this team can go unless they tighten some things up. You really see the difference in this team with their current coach versus their previous coach. I believe his name is Herdman, who went on to coach the, the men's team, who's um, you know burgeoning and had some success in the past few years. So I'm curious to see what they can do. Uh, Canada's talented uh, and as well has experience, confidence, um, has physical presence, but they got to put it all together. The strategy is looking kind of dim right now. They need to, to really uh, get some things going offensively. I will say shout out to Quinn. The number five played really well. Um, and number 14, uh, Gilles played really well. But um, let's see what happens, you know. Um, get through and the first little round robin pool here and then anything can happen. So I want to talk about the USA as well. When their first game against uh, Vietnam, caught their, their second game against uh, the Netherlands, which was a rematch of the final from four years ago. And it was a good game. It was such a contrast to the Can- uh, Canadian and Ireland game because it was, from the start, very technical, strategic. You could see that it was being played with a lot of players that were familiar with each other. And um, Netherlands went up 1-0 and then U.S. dominated the second half, got the equalizer but couldn't get the win. And um, there's a goal from Alex Morgan that was called back for offsides, which was correct, but it was just off just by like a, a step. And yeah, the U.S. looked more threatening and honestly, I think deserved to win, but that's soccer. Like you can get 20 chances, but if you don't score, then it doesn't matter. So uh, Trinity Rodman, Dennis Rodman's daughter, had some flashes. She looked good, uh, really athletic, an astute score, but like, a few times just leaning back anybody who's played soccer you know like you it's like 101 don't lean back when you shoot you know but she leaned back on a couple of shots or just made some poor decisions um kind of in the final third and i think that's where things are lacking for the u.s so i'm curious to see if they keep that that uh, trio up top um, moving forward alex morgan looked good um played well Goal from Horvath. She was strong in the midfield. U.S. was a bit narrow. I'd like to see more width from them. So we'll see what they do and how they adjust for the next game, which I believe is Portugal. Um, I expect the U.S. to get through, but still some question marks for the number one team in the world. So as my little Women's World Cup uh, recap for you. I'm going to hit just some other quick things about the sports news media cycle, and then we'll get out for this week. So... It, I mentioned earlier, I've been watching a lot of it, the sports, listening to a lot of sports, and it's so interesting the stories that they hammer at this time of the year, as I refer to the dog days of summer, you know, late July, August, it's hot as hell, and we're in training camp for NBA, free agency is cooled off, baseball is baseball, I still have a billion games to go, nobody gives a fuck. Um, Otani's doing great things, that's awesome, but I really can't get excited about baseball in July and doesn't end till Halloween. So fuck baseball. But uh, that's how I feel about that. But the monotony of all of that, and they're just digging for stories. Like, I'm just like, what are they going to just pitch us? And it's so funny 
the overreactions to NFL training camp things. Aaron Rodgers throws a a ball to Garrett Wilson and he toe taps and gets down and that's like headline news for the day. I'm just like it's a it's a red zone drill and it was a decent throw. We've seen Aaron Rodgers make fifty times in games, but everybody's so enthralled with it. So it's so interesting that they have to fill these 24-7 spaces and ask the questions that they do that are completely asinine and ridiculous. It's a bit of drivel and draw, and it's, it's overkill, so I'm hating here, but I understand they have to fill the space. But also, talking about spilling, filling the space, it's so interesting the other sports that ESPN and Fox are rolling out to fill that void and, and feed the beast. There's pickleball. We all know how I feel about pickleball. It's the worst, but there's pickleball on TV. I can't watch it. I try to watch it a few minutes just to just out of morbid curiosity. Awful. There's slam ball on ESPN the other day, and then there's TBT, the the basketball tournament, which is interesting. But I tried watching a few minutes of that, and it's so disorder. It's like NBA summer league on just just even less of a high less of a i don't even know how to describe it it's so bad there's just not there's no no cohesion to the play and just so many easy missed layups bad shot choices overweight guys um it's it's comical um but maybe it'll the level will pick up when you get to the latter rounds and these guys have played with you with each other a little bit more and, and knocked off some of the rust but um yeah, I just wish more sports channels would be rolling out documentaries and biographies and things of that sort at this time of the year because I feel like that's the sweet spot. That's what I want to watch right now. I've, I've said it before, but the things that really caught my attention this summer have been documentaries like Breakpoint, Quarterback, um, things of that nature, the F1 series. So it's like, let's have more of that when there's this dip and form and all we're doing is prognosticating about um, the greed of, 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 <laughs> of sports and like how uh, Mbappe should go and, and pay or and play in Saudi Arabia instead of um, staying and, and playing in a, a proper league. We're sitting here trying to justify that Mbappe should take the money and go and play in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, they gave offered more money to to Messi, and that's he's been a success actually. Um, at Inter, you know, seeing all these celebrities pull up, and DJ Khaled and Kardashians and all these you know terrible celebrities. But you know, please don't go to Saudi Arabia, Mbappe, and I don't think he'll be he'll do it. He's too young. But it's it's funny to me that people on Instagram, social media, things of that nature, are like, oh, he'd be a fool to turn down seven hundred seventy mil money ain't everything he's gonna make a ton of money he's gonna make more money this year but from nike than i'll make in my entire life so i think he's good with that he wants to compete he's won at the highest level he's won the world cups things of that nature he wants a new challenge and it's not going to be him going to saudi arabia and taking a bunch of money to essentially retire early so don't do it gillian don't do it um but all that being said yeah, dog days of summer, tough look for for sports news and people craving anything. We thought yesterday Joe Burrow might have blown out his Achilles, but I think it's just a calf strain. Um, Jalen Ramsey's out for a little bit with the knee thing, but these are the stories that are taking 
all of the the attention because we're starved and we need more. So with that, um, watch some tennis. It's going to start getting better um, definitely this week. And then the U.S. Open's down the road. And as well, just take a vacation. Take a little breather from sports. Get ready for college football. Get ready for NFL. That's what J.K. and I am going to do. We're going to get ready, start talking about those things we love, and we'll be back. We'll be back in full force, ready. So no interview this week. I was efforting but couldn't pull it off. But we'll be back in the original form next week with uh, with me and JK and uh, Little Al Studios getting back to it and cutting it up. So thanks for joining us as always. It's another episode of The Sports Gloss with Justin Jamal. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Gloss, T-H-E. S-P-O-R-T-S-G-L-O-S-S. Check us out, see what we're up to there. And as always, survive and advance. Mr. JK, peace.